Welcome to the C3 Church Podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Tonight is a, uh, is a really great night because uh, I'm excited to be sharing on this amazing subject of faith. And I think it's uh, really important that we talk about this because many of you have <coughs> made commitments on Friday night to help this church with our vision. And you're part of that church, part of that group and company of people who are going to change the world in many individuals' lives by simply becoming a vision builder. Building a bridge between the church and our general community is a really helpful thing. And uh, <clears throat> you, you have accomplished some amazing things. Uh, every week we talk to almost a billion people through our television show. And uh, that is, well, we cover a footprint of that many. Whether they're actually turning onto that channel is another thing, but the potential is there for that many. And, uh, and last year you gave nearly a million dollars away to many, many, many different organizations and individuals who are disadvantaged and living in less fortunate conditions than you and I are. So you help them. And through CAP, through Food Bank, through Oasis, through working with the Salvation Army, with many of these uh, areas in the city right here in Sydney, and then as far flying as Uganda, where we have a house that looks after young girls who have uh, had, had to have children, had children because they've been raped or had been in other circumstances. And uh, so Chris, my wife, has been deeply involved putting up those kind of hospitals and uh, those places that help. Uh, Richard Forsyth, he's helped the children in uh, Sri Lanka on the streets there. And, uh, and then right here in our city, we're seeing so many people helped as well. That's part of Vision Builders. And then there's the college. Any college students here tonight? Yeah, it's great to have you here. And, uh, and so these facilities are put together by people who gave above and beyond our tithes. They're giving into uh, the vision of the church to expand. And because of that, we have been able to graduate like 8,000 uh, ministers and people who are involved in, in preaching and leading and uh, doing all kinds of work for the kingdom of God all around the world. Now, for us to achieve that, it takes a constant uh, step and life of faith. And I really uh, get pumped when I want to talk about this because I talk about it quite often when I'm away. And I, you, as you know, I'm, I'm not uh, here a lot. Uh, I'm, you, I travel a lot. And, and that is because I get asked to go speak in other church situations and to leaders and, uh, and do conferences and a variety of things like that. And in those sessions, often I will speak about this subject because this is like a core value for me. And, and especially if I'm meeting a group for the first time, I definitely want to let, let them know that this is where I'm at. And one of the reasons is because uh, I know that an impartation takes place when we speak about this subject, not just information. And it's very important that any preacher understands what he imparts, not just informs. Because every preacher or every uh, minister has a different gift and calling and, and anointing and thing on their life that they can actually bring into other people's lives. So I would way rather bring an impartation than just a lot of information into people's world. We live in a world that's full of knowledge. They've got a knowledge overload. And sometimes knowledge gets in the way of impartation. That's why Paul said when he went to the Corinthian church, I determined not to know certain things among you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
And what we know, it's kind of, if you know something, you want to tell it. It's got this ego thing attached to it. And so he said, no, I made a decision. I became intentional that just because I knew it didn't mean I had to say it. And even though it might have impressed people, that was not what I was there for. I'm not here to impress. I'm here to impart and to bring transformation into people's worlds. And sometimes that even involves dialing down the level of, of intelligence, if you like, so that, so that everybody in the world can understand. There's no point in standing up and speaking in words nobody really understands. It's important, though, that we communicate through uh, messages that are digestible, that everybody can get a hold of that and feel and know that God is alive. So I'm going to try and quickly get through the first major part of this, which probably I won't achieve, so that I can get to the very last point more swiftly than I did this morning. All right, so firstly, you need to understand that faith is the thing that pleases God. Faith is what puts a smile on God's heart. Negativity is not impressive in heaven. And we live in a really negative world. We live in a Thomas generation. It wants to believe before it see. It wants to see before it believes. Whereas Jesus said, hey, if you believe before you see, that'll put you in the realm where you're walking in the kingdom of God. And so faith, let me, let me describe faith for you uh, in very simple terms. It's a spirit. We have the same spirit of faith. So rather than it being a knowledge, it's an attitude. It's a feeling. And what the feeling is, the feeling is confidence, positivity, and courage. When you're in courage and you're in, in a positive mindset and you're in confidence, you're in a place where God lives. He lives in that zone. That's where the power of God travels. He doesn't, the Bible says God is light in him is no darkness at all. So it's not like God is dark and foreboding. And many traditional views of God present them as quite severe, quite unloving, quite uncaring. In fact, we hear about the judgment of God coming on nations. Insurance companies call a disaster an act of God, as though that was, that's what God is like. But Jesus is called the exact representation of the Father in heaven. And you will not find him going around saying, earthquake here, thank you very much. You die of cancer. Yes, thank you. You get leprosy. You don't find him doing that. I mean, that's like blasphemy, thinking like that. God is a good God. When he touched people, boom, they got healed. When he touched the dead, boom, they came alive. When he touched the addicted or afflicted people, boom, they got set free. God is good. Okay, I'll make it even more simple. God, good. Devil, bad. So that, that's, that's where it is. God happy, devil sad. It's that simple that you just need to make a decision to move yourself into that zone. We have to become intentional because problems will overwhelm you by forcing fear and anxiety on you. Fear and anxiety, worry and negativity... Do not come invited. You don't say, oh, I'm really going to get down right now. Just going to get so negative and, oh, you know, fearful and hateful. And, oh, I'm just going to really get into it. You don't go like that. It just starts to happen. So the problem with the problem is not the problem. It's the problem the problem gives you. 
And the problem the problem gives you is the attitude. The attitude is the problem. Your response to the problem is the thing you can't control. So what you got to do is become intentional about putting positive emotions there and saying, I will be a believer. And that's the great thing about faith is that you can switch it on. You've all got faith. There's not a person in this room that hasn't got faith. Every single person is born with the gift of faith in them. You need it to stay alive. You need it to live. And constantly, that faith is being attacked by doubtfulness, questioning, trying to undermine you, make you feel bad about yourself, bullying uh, in whatever form it comes to intimidate you and make you diminished in size and diminished in your faith. But God comes into your world and he starts to speak faith into your life. Not fear, not anxiety. God brings faith and boosts you and encouraging you, edifying you and comforting you with promises from heaven saying, you can do this. You can make it through this. He is the great spiritual life coach. Amen. Some of you, some of you might go to the gym or you play soccer. I know Alex down here plays soccer, and he's well used to. And uh, yeah, and we got some people who play rugby and hockey. And you let your coach tell you this is how you do it. Well, you're in church tonight. I'm your spiritual life coach. I'm going to tell you how to change your life and how to get yourself winning goals in life and actually overcoming instead of being defeated. And it's very important that you change your mindset. If you let me, give me your brain tonight, I can think I can tinker with it a little and change your world. But you've got to understand there is a, there's a switch that you've got to flick to get faith moving. And the, and, the, and the place where that switch is is in your mouth. So what you speak is very powerful. So tonight you just say, I'm a believer. Amen. Go on, say it. I'm a believer. Say, God will help me. I'm going to make it. Life's good for me. I'm a positive person. Mm, not a lot of attitude in that. Amen. Come on. I'm a positive person. <laughs> yeah, we're not at some sort of, you know, raha meeting. But I'm just trying to get you to speak what the Bible says about you. And the great thing about this, it isn't like one of those, you know, kind of whip them up meetings. It is because this includes God in the equation. And that's very important because this spirit of faith is the spirit of Christ. That's the theology of it. The spirit of faith is the Holy Spirit. God's spirit is a spirit of faith. When you're filled with the spirit of God, you're filled with boldness. Every time those New Testament apostles got filled with the Holy Spirit, it said they spoke with boldness. They just became full of confidence. So you are a confident person. You might have been overwhelmed with some fears and timidity, but honestly, you came out when you got born, you were screaming. What's happened? Amen. What's happened? The thing is, in your self-image, you're a beautiful person. You've been created in the image of God. Doesn't matter what anybody says to you. What any, God from heaven has said, you're beloved and I love you. You're amazing. And he has come into your world to be interested and to to touch you and to show you the, the, the way into your future, to touch you with His power, to show you a pathway into a destiny that's magnificent. The dreams He have, has for you are far more wild and adventurous and wonderful than anything we dream up in our own mind about what is possible. But the thing that puts you on that pathway is the spirit of faith. All right, let me give you three directions of faith. Number one, faith in God. 
Mark eleven twenty two, which uh, Justin referred to earlier on in the service. Have faith in God. Now, here's the thing. Most of us do believe that God can do stuff, but whether he will or not, now that's the other question. And that's because we don't, we're not always convinced that he is good to us. He might be good to them, but I'm not sure he really, he's into me. But God is into you. And, and, and when, when we say, I have faith in God, I know he can do stuff for me. Like the leper, we go, I know you can heal me if you are willing. And Jesus says, of course I'm willing. God is good. The problem is negativity and doubtfulness and unbelief all see the, the severity of God. They see a severe side of God. They see life from a negative angle. But people of faith see the goodness of God. And faith will connect you with the goodness of God. Romans 11 says the Israelites who fell from faith to unbelief experienced severity. But when we walk in faith and believe in the power of God that he's going to do stuff and he will do stuff, we find ourselves experiencing goodness. Now, when you step out, either tonight, some of you may not have made that commitment as a vision builder, uh, and you might do it tonight or, the ne- or next weekend, or you might have done it on, on, on Friday night, then you've got to know that the goodness of God is going to equip you and help you to fulfill that. And the happy thing is that making a commitment like that gives your Christianity a context. Christianity isn't just turning up a church and sitting in a, in a, in a seat. That isn't, that isn't fulfilling the call of God on our life. That's putting us in a position where we get equipped to fulfill the call of God in our life. Coming along to church and, and being here, that, that sort of doesn't make me a Christian. I mean, I put a skateboard in my garage and it doesn't turn into a car. I can, I can sit in McDonald's. I don't turn into a hamburger. The thing is, close, you know, but the deal is, you and I are called to activate and put a context on what we do. So we say, yeah, I'm a believer. I'm going to reach the world. How? Wow. You, 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 you get involved with this army, this family of believers, and you find yourself contributing and being part of a group that actually do that stuff and make it happen. Whether it's by contribution or, or actually being that person yourself. So faith in God is the first. Second is faith in you. Now this is a little more tricky because... People in their sincerity want to say like, well, you know, it's not about me. It's it's the Lord. I don't want to be dependent. And that's good because without God, you can do nothing. But here's the deal. With him, nothing's impossible. So it's like one or the other, without him or with him. And so he's saying here, Paul is saying, I can do. Everybody say, I can do. Now, I've heard a lot of people say, I can, I can, I can do this, I can do And it is a reliance on themselves. And I fear that they're going to be extremely disappointed. But when you actually involve Jesus in the equation, my Lord, this is somebody that not even death can keep down. This is somebody that not, not, no government on earth, no, no force on earth, no army on earth can, keep, can, can push back. He's only around for three years and he's, he's, he's touched more people in history than any other figure. And the spooky thing about this person is that even though you can go to the other great teachers and sages of history and you'll find bits and pieces in the tomb, nothing there. With him, he's gone. 
tore back the doors of heaven and said, come on in, everybody. He's won the way. He is, there's like, when you include him and you say, I can do all things through Christ, that power of this person, that empowers me to do the impossible. Number three is have faith in others. You got to believe in other people. That person sitting next to you, it's not just about us, me being great in life or achieving things at the expense of others. You achieve things in life because you're working with others that you believe in. Now, you know, I mean, that people say, oh, you've got an extraordinary team here. And we do. Look at that thing on Friday night. I mean, look, and just four weeks before presents. Then a few weeks before that, Christmas. And, and it goes on. We're coming up to the men's conference at the end of July. It'll be incredible too. But every weekend here, everything that goes on. And you might say, and you know we have people say, oh, if only I had your kind of team. Well, you have. I tell leaders all the time, you got them under your nose. You just don't believe in them. Believing in people is the greatest developer of potential that anybody can have. When you believe your people are extraordinary... They will do extraordinary things. All they need, everybody needs, is somebody to believe in them. You will help people discover the meaning of their life simply by believing in them. Because there are so few people who believe in anybody, not even parents sometimes believe in their own children. Ah, they're they're never going to do anything. That kind of thing. School teachers, my Lord, if you have that position in life, what a privilege to touch the potential in all those students that pass under your hand. And you might be the only person who ever does that. I might only have one chance of meeting one person in life for, the, for only one time. I want to make every encounter positive. What a great person you are. You're going to make a difference in the world. Look at you. You're amazing. Amen. That's what you need to be speaking into other people's worlds. Your mouth is a creative instrument. You can create a whole new world in people's lives simply by believing in them. Okay. Seven steps of faith. Here we go. Number one. Desire it. You've got to want certain things. God will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, by the way, those paintings are for sale. Amen. He shall give you the desires of your heart. He shall give you desires of your heart. In our sincerity sometimes, and that's a good thing to be sincere, but on its own, it's too weak. It's not going to make it. And because, uh, you know, people say as long as you're sincere, wow. I know people who sincerely believe the wrong thing. You've got to have the truth and you've got to have faith and confidence attached to sincerity so that you're a genuine person, authentic, but just that on its own, that ain't enough. Uh, and being organically authentic, real cool, nice, yeah, but you need truth and faith attached to that. So it comes as a package in your, in your makeup and you, you, you are then going to be able to desire things without getting tripped up by your own sincerity because some people would go, well, look, God says, what do you want? You might go, well, I want to want what God wants me to want. If he wants me to want it with all my want, then I will want it with all my want. That's if he wants me. I only want to want what he wants me to want. That's what I want. I want you. You want what? What do you want? What do you want me to want, Lord? He says, hey, it's, it's not a trick question. What do you want? He said it to Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is blind. It's obvious what he wants. But God wants you to say it. What do you want? Another message is that Bartimaeus' problem confined his vision. 
to a limited thing. Because Jesus said, what do you want? Could have asked anything. He said, I want, I want eyesight. I want to see. So Jesus says that. What do you want? And his, it's his will to fulfill your desire. Number two, decide it. You've got to make a decision. James 1 verse 6 to 7. Let him ask in faith, no doubting, or double-mindedness. Let not that man suppose you'll receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways, is the rest of that scripture. Double-mindedness is when you second-guess a decision you've made. You step out, you say, I'm going to do it. Oh, no, I may, uh, uh. oh, I sh- oh, no, I'll go to college. No, uh, yes, I will, no. Uh. I'll take this job. Oh, no, uh, you know. I know people who have been procrastinating for 50 years. A procrastinator never takes now for an answer. His, yeah, boom. All right. So the thing is, thing is, don't, when, you, when you're second-guessing your decisions all the time, I mean, how long do you have to be engaged for? Is it 20 years? Oh, I don't know if she's the right one. TikTok, baby, you're 70 years old. It's like... <laughs> somewhere down the line, you've got to make the choice. God's will is whatever. Our good friend, Mr. Furtick, shared that with us. You know, some people getting, getting all messed up. Of, oh, is this the one? Is this the one? Oh, I might run the wrong. I mean, it's not like that. Because here's the deal. If, if that was the case, what if you do marry the wrong one? You marry Mary, and Mary was meant to marry Jimmy. But now he, she can't marry Jimmy because you married her, and now Jimmy's going to marry the wrong girl. And then that girl's, you know, that he didn't marry. It's all, it's all messed up. They're going to have the wrong children. It's all, uh, you just ruined the entire romantic balance in the universe. It's like, because you got the wrong one. It's not like that. There's, there's thousands of right ones. Thousands of right ones. And we make whatever situation we're in a great situation by bringing Christ into it. That's the answer. Okay, I just want to liberate you a little bit. Amen. So, 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 so here's the thing. You've got to make a decision. When you buy a pair of shoes, don't walk down the road checking all the other shoe stores to see if you could have got them cheaper somewhere else. Don't do it because you're only reinforcing the second-guessing nature, the indecisive nature. And I come from a background where there's a lot of that indecision and second-guessing and remorse, buyer's remorse, buyer's blues, where you bought oh, and you can't wear it for, for three months because you're just not sure about whether you're going to take it back or not. And, oh, no, you got to get out of that. Shut the door on the past. Put your hand on the plow. Don't look back. Boom, boom, boom. It's got a Christian walk, not a Christian wander. You're not sort of wandering all over the show. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Step, step, step. Be decisive. Amen. Decision making. Person with decision. Is it, so, you know, like the person who's indecisive, they go, oh, I don't know. If Cause they think that God is, God's will is a mystery. It's like, and, and that God is capricious. Uh, there, I went and used one of those big words. Uh, you know, he's mean. And he's got the will of God behind his back. He says, guess which hand it's in. <laughs> oh, the left one, Lord? No, you're wrong. You're never going to have that. <laughs> he's not like that. This is what do you want? What would you like to do? I know people who will not commit their life to Christ. They believe in him. 
Bob, what if he asked me to do something I don't want to do? He might ask me to go to preach to the pygmies in the Amazon or something. I'm not into that. And I'm sure that he'll ask me to do stuff that I hate. Because that's the view of God. But that's not a faith view of God. God is beautiful. Look at the world he made. You're, you're living it every day. My God, he's, he's awesome. And, and he will match you up with a destiny that perfectly fits your personality. And you'll say, I delight to do thy will, O God. Okay, so decide it. Then we go to three. We go to ask it. James 4 verse 2. You got you to gotta ask. Ask. And, and, and here's how you ask. You don't ask. Just say, God, can you do this? And it doesn't happen. You go, oh, well, guess he didn't want me to have that. At least three times, Jesus talks about importunity, which is barefaced unashamedness in your margin, in the definition. Another way of saying that is the ability to overcome awkwardness. Okay, so it's awkward when you go to the bank and you say, uh, we need to borrow some money, $300,000, buy a unit in DY, or something like that, whatever it is. And the bank says, no, ain't going to happen. You walk back, and so you come back the next day and say, hi, I'm back again. We want $300,000. No, I told you yesterday, not going to happen. All right. You come back again the next day. Uh, I know this is awkward, but I'm asking you again. I mean, here I am again. I'm asking for this. Come back, come back, come back. I've done exactly that. On the third time, I managed to make it. Thank you, Jesus. That was a quick one. On this land, it took eight years to put this building here. We got pushed back, pushed back, again and again and again. Criticized in the newspapers, and the media, all kinds of areas. Pushed back. But then, bam, finally, the day came. Unanimous decision. You can have it. Then John Howard comes and opens up the building as the prime minister. Amazing. Yeah. So... So all I'm saying is that just because you get knocked back doesn't mean it's a refusal. Have another go. Get up again. You see, some people have said if you ask for a thing ten times and it comes to pass, you must have asked nine times in unbelief. That's just complete nonsense. The fact that you came back again is the spirit of faith. You got up again. You got discouraged. You got despondent. You lost all the money. The business went down the drain. You got up again. Learn from the experience and say, I'm going to make it happen this time. Your marriage might have broken up, might have been a disaster, but you come back again, you say, I'm going to have another shot in Jesus' name. Amen. You might have, might have had a disaster in life in some area. I'm going to have another go at it. Giving up is unbelief. It's, that's, that's the zone where you don't get energy. You don't get enthusiasm. You don't get inspiration and motivation. You just get weaker. But when you get up again, you say, no, I'm going to do this. And you need to say that. Switch on faith with your mouth. Say, I can do it. I'm going to do it, and it's going to, I'm going to win in Jesus' name. There's not a person on earth who hasn't achieved something great that before they achieved that, they had knocked back, knocked back, knocked back, knocked back. Read the story of Abraham Lincoln, how many attempts he made at just getting into politics and running for this and running, and how many times he was defeated. Have a look at Winston Churchill, how many times before he became the prime minister, he was mocked and laughed at. It was 65 before he actually took the position. And finally he said... Never give up. Never. 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 Never give up. You wouldn't be speaking English today unless that man had made that speech and had had that perseverance that said, we're going to win. We're going to beat the odds. And the odds were against him. The problem was not the problem. The problem was how the attitude was responding. 
to the problem. And so he said, we will win. We will never give up. And that's what you've got to have on the inside of you. That is the spirit of faith. Amen. All right. Number four, receive it. You've got to get it before you get it. Otherwise, you're never going to get it. So, so receive it. You receive it when you pray. What things soever you ask when you pray. When? When you pray. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So when, you, when you're praying, it's then that you get what you're going to get. You don't get it when you get it. You get it before you get it. The visible world is made of the invisible world. The seen world is made of the unseen world. It always begins in an invisible conception within a person. Your future is inside you. When Rebecca had our second grandchild, Sonny, uh, when she was pregnant, we went to the medical center with her and they put jelly on her belly and did the ultrasound thing going over there. And the machine's going over, over her stomach, but you look up on the screen and there's a little baby alive on the inside of her. So, if I came to you right now with my ultrasound machine and ran it over your spirit, what comes up on the screen? What's inside you right now about your future? For a lot of people, it's just like, oh, I don't know, whatever happens. There's got to be a dream. Something going on deep down inside of you about your future. That you're thinking, I know I'm going to have that. I know that's going to happen. And it may not... I mean, and I'm not talking about wild, crazy, ridiculous dreams. I'm just talking about what you honestly can believe is going to happen. Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. The word think is a Greek word, noyo, which means to perceive and conceive. So you can see it, you can conceive it inside yourself. This is going to happen. If you can't conceive it within yourself, it's just not a reality. You're hoping it'll happen. You're clutching and trying to make it happen. But if you're in the trying zone, ain't going to happen. There is no try. Only do. That's Yoda. And uh, so you do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I'm kidding. Now I'm getting stupid. All right. When you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. You shall have what you've conceived inside your spirit. So what do you got inside you tonight? What is, what is alive in there? I've had this church in here. Big buildings. I've got a thousand churches inside me around the world. We're up to number about 330 or something right now. By the year 2020, you know, somewhere out there, that's all going to take place. I would imagine that we'll have that many churches in China alone. I, it, it's just mind-blowing to me when I turn up in Bremen, Ger Germany, and, and here's Manfred with his C3 signs everywhere. His doormat has got C3 on it. Everybody in his church has to have a C3 sticker on the back of their car. He is like your total brand of the places full of Germans worshiping Jesus. I go to Lausanne, Switzerland. There's C3, big circle, C3, Switzerland. And they're all talking in languages I can't understand. Go to Holland, same thing. Go to London, uh, well, yeah, same thing, and uh, God bless, you know, go to, go to Congo, there's churches, I've never been in the Congo now, I've got C3 over there. 
This, that's the exceeding. I didn't even dream of that stuff. That, that's where God's done more than what I was dreaming. But he's got to have a dream to do more than of. You got to have it before you get it. All right, go to the next one. Number five, where it's see it. You got to see it, see something in your future. What's on the back of your imagination? If I was to pull up into one of the grand theater chairs, lie back there, kick back, get my popcorn, watch the movie on the back of your forehead. What are you doing? What's going on there in your future? What do you dream about in your future? Is it dark and negative? Because your imagination is one of the most powerfully creative parts of your anatomy, of your entire being. What you are seeing is a heat-seeking missile. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You are going in the direction of your dominant thoughts. So many tweetable comments tonight. You are moving in the direction of what your dominant thought is. If you're to weigh up all your thoughts, negative, positive, like I said about the words, what's going to win? Your whole world is the sum total of our imagination and our words. They start to manifest. The seen world is the product of the unseen world. The visible is made by the invisible. Your words are shaping your world. That's why it's so important to take control of it. Don't just live life in an ungoverned way. Discipline your tongue. Discipline your thinking. So this is where I'm going. This is what's going to happen. I remember reading the story of the guy who won the slalom in, the, in one of the Olympics. Uh, and uh, and he, he, he was a Frenchman, Jean, Jean Claude, somebody. And he, was, he, he said he would go down the mountain 100 times a day with a stopwatch in his hand. But he's doing it in his mind. And see how, how his time, and he would just follow that because everything's moving so fast, haven't got time to be conscious making decisions about what's going on. So he would do it in his mind. And just as he had rehearsed and simulated, it would happen. There were prisoner of war victims in Vietnam who learned to type, learned to play the piano on keyboards that were just painted on wood. One guy who's bent over in a cage for three years, every day he'd go through in his mind, going around a certain golf course back in his hometown. And he'd, every time he'd go around powering every hole, boom, boom. When he got home, first thing he did, went out there, went around, did exactly what he'd been doing in his mind all those years. What you are simulating will become reality. And that is why the devil wants to put negative imaging in your thinking about your future so that he can get you on a pathway that leads you to disaster. He comes to thief, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus comes to give you life. And he'll give you life by having a positive viewpoint about your future. It's all in that book, okay? The seven steps are all in this book, plus a whole lot more about the trial of faith and all those other things and self-image and a whole bunch of stuff. So get that book and digest it deeply in your soul because it will change your life. If you can get through the cynicism of the current age we live in, the sarcasm, the scoffing, the mocking of all this kind of stuff and get over the melancholy of this world that we live in and start to say, you know what? I'm going to run against the, the stream. I'm going to go against the crowd. I'm not going to be a mumbler and a complainer and a moaner and a negative person. I'm going to be a positive answer in this world. I'm going to be part of the light in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead. Be a rebel. Amen. Rebel the right way. See it. You've got to see it before it's going to happen. I can remember standing pretty well where I'm standing now in around 1990 
weeds and grass and old broken down tractors in the chicken shed uh, that was right behind me here. And none of this. And I would stand here preaching to you. Preaching to you. Often, I'd walk through the grass. I'd just start. I'd see you there. I'd see people coming to the altar. See a great place worshiping God. In 1995, we walked in here. I'd been here. It's almost like an anticlimax. It's exciting when you haven't got it and you know you've got it and everybody else is laughing about thinking that you're mad, thinking that you've got it. But you know you've got it and you're laughing on the inside. Woo, I know it's going to happen. Go God. And then it happens. Like, oh, I knew that all along. Yeah, sure. We go, Woo, it's amazing. Go, yeah, yeah, on to the next thing. Let's do it. If you can live in your dreams, the dreams will manifest. Build a thing in the spiritual, it'll fall into the natural. To work on that, see it every day. Number two, I've only got two to go and one minute. Amen. Okay, number six, say it. Everybody say it. Say it. Say it. You got to speak. Prophesy to your mountain. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed. Says. Whatever he says. Three times says. When God spoke at the beginning of the world, let there be light. Who is he talking to? Nobody. Nobody's around yet. So that tells me that the first purpose of language is not communication, but creation. Speak to your world. Says to this mountain, speaking to inanimate things. Jesus spoke to a tree, spoke to a storm. Spoke to inanimate, what we would consider inanimate things. Said you, storm, stop. Tree, it's over for you. (laughs) Sickness, go. He spoke to fevers, get out of there. We speak to people. He would speak to things and speak into space. God did that. Let there be light. Boom. Speak over your world. Speak over your relationships. Let there be peace. Blessing. In Jesus' name. Speak over your bank account. Speak over your car. Work. Start. You got to do the stuff. Turn it on and that, you know. I'm not talking about Harry Potter. This is the stuff, you know. I'm talking about. Speak into your world. Amen. Speak to your soul. Speak to yourself. I'm healed. I'm blessed. I'm confident. I'm positive in Jesus' name. And you will create your world. Last one. Number seven. Act it. Faith without works is dead. Ain't going to happen unless you step out. You got to take a step. And that's what this weekend is about. You taking a step of faith. Not just a step of unbelief or a step of normality, but a step into the supernatural. Where you step out of the boat. Jesus said to Peter, step out of the boat. What are you going to do right then? Peter said, can I come? He said, sure, come. He didn't say Peter. He said, come. All the disciples could have gone. Boo, let's go. But Peter stepped out. I wonder if I would do it. I probably would. It would be fun. You know, I could swim. So, you know, if if I sign. But I'd, I'd be thinking, yeah. Okay, jump. Oh. Golly, I'm walking on water. <laughs> and then he looked around, saw storms and waves, and the problem became his problem. The problem got inside of him. 
And he needed to learn to switch on faith when he got a problem. And so he began to sink, but Jesus saved him anyway. Every time a miracle came into people's lives, Jesus would ask them to take a step to the nobleman in John 4. Go your way. Your son lives. Oh, no, Lord, I need you to come. No, go. Just start walking. Started walking. And the people told him, your son got healed that same time. Ten lepers. Jesus heals. Go. Show yourself to the priest. They started walking. And as they went, the Bible says, they got healed. As you take a step, you move into a supernatural arena. Go wash your, your eyes in the pool of Siloam. The man goes, washes his eyes, healed. Stretch out your hand, the withered arm, boom, healed. It wasn't like Jesus just touched them or waved a wand over them and, and it all happened. He always said, go and do something. The most graphic uh, time this ever happened for me, uh, and sometimes the Lord will say to me, uh, you know, there's a person that I want to heal in, in the place. And we'll be doing that next weekend. We'll be praying for the sick in these services. And I will follow that word of that guidance of God to pray for those that he would, he would uh, tell us to, to pray for. But this girl <clears throat> uh, was 15 years old. And I was in a youth meeting in New Zealand. And I said, uh, there's a girl here. I didn't know where she was. Uh, the Lord's talking to me about who's got something wrong with her right leg. And uh, he would like to heal you. And so... <clears throat> This girl came out. She said, oh, that's me, that's me. And she was on crutches with a big cast on her leg. And my heart sunk because I was thinking, oh, it'll be, you know, I, I was wanting something easier. And, uh, you know, like not quite so visible and dramatic and whatever. So she comes down and going like, you know, like this and comes to the bottom of the stairs. And I thought, well, I, got, I know I've got a miracle for her. She's just got to act uh, her faith and, and it's going to work. And I've got to do it with her, you know, the... The, the faith act. So she walk up the stairs. So she's trying sort of to get the crutches and the thing. So I grabbed the crutches and I threw them away like that. And I don't, I don't even know why I did that. I don't know what came over me. Because I'm not really flamboyant, you know. And, uh, and so I, and while I'm doing that, I'm going, what are you doing in my head? And, uh, and so I said, get up here. And so she goes, ow, ow. Ow! She get on the stage, and I said, "Come for a walk with me." And she go, "Ow! Ow! Ow! Ow!" She's going like this, and tears coming down her eyes. The girl, you're not helping me. And uh, ow! Ow! She's walking up and down the stage, crying, ye- yelling like this for like two minutes, the longest two minutes of my life. And all, all the the people, the body language is changing, like. They're all folding their arms and thinking, you cruel man. And the passes down the front, I can see them all worried about lawsuits and uh, whatever. And she goes, ow, ow, ow. She goes like this. And then it kind of faded. You know, she goes, oh, it's feeling a little better. I said, oh, good, good, good. Let's go for a run. So we're running. Go, ow, ow, ow. She's going like that. And, she, and after about another minute, she goes, oh, that's, that's pretty good. I said, all right, now I want you to go like that. So she went, Ow, 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 she's got like all of the, and then I said, do it again, she goes, uh, oh, she says, oh, 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 I'm feeling all hot, oh, I think it's, oh, it's healed, you know, it doesn't know pain, and she's jumping around, you know, whoa, like this, and it's astonishing, you know, to, to actually see that uh, right happening in front of me, because sometimes I'm a little unbelieving myself, thinking, 
is this going to work? And, but you see, all you need is a little bit of faith in a great big God. And, and, and that little faith can move a great God. So this, uh, you know, she came back the next night with two x-rays. This is yesterday's, this is today's. Big crack yesterday, no crack today in the leg. So no, no cast or anything on. And she was healed. And uh, that's astonishing. But that would be possibly the most graphic example I know of that I can remember being involved in where, where it took a step of faith. And not just one, but another one. It took that persevering thing. And just to keep on going until you get the breakthrough. And it always is going to take a step where you don't want to go. For me, I don't really want to do that, for goodness sake. I'd like it just to happen in a second. But I've never found that faith happens in a second. A breakthrough is something, is only called a breakthrough because it took a long time to get there. It's not a breakthrough, it just happened. You don't go, whoa, that was a breakthrough. People go, on a breakthrough, it's just something that happened. It's like, but if you don't, dun, 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 for years and years, and years boom, comes, oh, finally got a breakthrough. And that's what God is looking for. And you cannot, exp- you cannot get to there unless you travel with this walk of faith. And God has got a miracle in your future for your faith that's right here today. And, and so when I was talking about say it, God actually talks about your future as though it was already done. Because he is at the end of time looking back on your future. So he said to Abraham, I have already made you the father of many nations. Abraham could have said, no, you haven't because he didn't have any child. But Abraham believed God that what he could not see out there in the future, God could see. And God is saying, hey, Abraham, I have made you already the father of many nations. So he said, okay, God, I believe you. And because he believed him, he had a connection with his future and with a miracle. And when, you've got, when you start believing God, you connect with, a, with a, a miraculous future. When you throw away faith, you wander aimlessly and you miss yourself colliding with that miracle that God has got for you in your world. The most amazing thing is that God has this beautiful plan for every single person. But it's the pathway of faith that takes you into that plan. It's the pathway of believing God, of saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually... Start to live a life of faith, a life of confidence, a life of positive thinking and speaking great things. I'm just going to start changing the way I do my language, the way I act. I'm going to start believing in other people, having faith in God. I'm going to pick up on the spirit of Christ in me, which is the faith of God, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of faith in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a great hand. Would you here tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church podcast. Visit us online at myc3church.net. Join us next time for more great teaching.